Boom, there it is, ladies and gents. We got another one. You got a business idea? Wondering how to get that thing off the ground? And this episode's for you. Let's get this one going. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Boss! Yeah, baby, here we go. When a business idea comes into your mind, sometimes it becomes all you can think about. You start to dream about who you are and who you're going to help and all the money you're going to make doing it. Then reality sets in. The struggle of building and running a business begins to wear down the passion and the dream you once envisioned. And what's worse, you feel like you don't know what to do next. Well, today's guest is helping those entrepreneurs with a small business support system to help you on your journey and to connect you with like-minded people to help you thrive. Let's welcome to the show from the Idea Collective Small Business Incubator, Mr. Pat Miller. Pat, I told you it was going to be a party, my friend. Welcome to the show. I love it. I love it. Hey, how are you? Good evening. Good evening. All right, man. Uh, I always start with the why question. Why is that thing, that 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 guiding light that's at the end of the tunnel, the reason why we get up in the morning when we're struggling and have no motivation, our why keeps us going? Why are you doing this? Yeah, I have a very clear why. And it comes back to what I used to do for a living. The reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is so people don't have to go through what I went through. I was in corporate radio for 22 years. I loved the business, but I woke up one day and realized I was taking all my time and talent and building somebody else's dream. Mm -mm. No. Mm. Life is too short to build somebody else's dream. So now when you go out and build your own small business, you're trying to leave something for your family, trying to make some dollars, trying to use your talent for yourself. That can be lonely and it can be hard and it can wear you down and it can bring you down. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to make sure that other people that are out there chasing their dream, trying to make something come true that they believe in, that they can keep going, they can keep growing and take their time and talent as far as they can. So that's my why. I want to see others succeed and follow their dreams. By the way, I can tell you've been incorporated. You got that radio <laughs> voice, man. Like, I, I, it's just so soothing. You got a good voice for this stuff, man. Thanks. Love it. Love it. So. <laughs> Helping other people, um, there, there's so many different paths that you could have gone, right? I mean, you could have literally taken your time and tried to solve world hunger. How are you particularly focused and, and why the entrepreneur space? Well, it's because of my wife, to be honest. So the thing that I call myself the idea coach, right? Why do I call myself the idea coach? Because I love to come up with great big ideas and solve problems. Okay, fine. How does that become a business? Well, as I was winding down my radio career, my wife, to her credit, was starting her own photography business. One woman shop, starting a photography business, trying to build it. And I was watching her struggle is that she would be really good at taking pictures, but she had to do all the other business stuff. So I was kind of an in-house consultant with her for a while, and I was watching the challenges that she was going through. So by watching her do that, 
I realized, whoa, I wonder if there are other people trying to build a business that are running into similar kinds of challenges. So I started networking in all the different areas and realized, yeah, this is a common problem. People want to follow their passion, but there are all these other responsibilities and chores and tasks that come along to build the widgets or whatever we're on the planet to build. So that's when I saw the opportunity and that's how I got into it. So it sounds to me like you turn people's passion into hard work. My brother, it's so funny because I feel I'm, I'm, I'm very much the same way, right? He's like, man, you have a way of ruining the fun stuff that I like to do. How come every time we're doing, having some fun, you got to try to monetize this thing? Like, I don't know, man. For me, it's, it's just an, an avenue. Like, that's how my mind operates. I'm like, oh, look, you know, you can turn this into a business and, 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 even if you didn't ask me for it, I'm like, oh, but you can do this and you can do this. And do you ever get that feedback where you're like, dude, you're ruining my fun, man. That's, it's just, I'm just doing this for fun, not really a business. Well, the world needs you because there are so many people that would be willing to do what they love for free. And what we see in the business world is a lot of people will do what they love and then feel guilty about charging what it's worth. Mm. They feel like they shouldn't get paid big dollars. So the world needs people like you, first of all. And secondly, it's a funny thing when you see people out there trying to build a business, sometimes they will take on all the work except the thing that they love for uh, to do for a living, like the one thing that they love to do. They will get buried in administration and paperwork and accounting and social media and marketing and whatever, and they won't be taking their time and talent to do the one thing. So oftentimes, Maybe we would be a good compliment to one another because what I like to do is sit people down and say, why are you here? What is the one thing you're supposed to be doing? Delegate the rest of it because your business will go as far as it can when you spend your most time doing that one thing that makes you special. So, yeah, I, th I think it would be a good combo, actually. I think so too. I think I think that's a finding people's passions and turning it into something profitable. I love that aspect of it. But let me ask you about this one thing because – the one thing when when somebody's really good at something, I mean, they're they just make it look so easy. It becomes like it's natural to them, right? But that's also a detriment to what you know. When you talked about placing value on it, because it's so easy for them, because it just comes natural to them, they hide behind that value. Like you were saying, they don't really dig into that passion. So, how can you help somebody identify and really gain the belief in themselves that look? You're good at this for a reason. Like there's people who are willing to pay you for this skill that you have. Don't you know how valuable you are? Yeah. And that is something everyone struggles with, especially those that have an artistic bent, like they're really good at uh, speaking or writing or podcasting. It comes to them so naturally it doesn't feel like work. So how can I assign value to that? One of the ways that you can do that is to show them the transformation that they're having on the people that they're helping. Mm -hmm. So if you go out and do what you're doing and you start changing lives, if you can reflect back to that person, how they're changing people's lives, sometimes that will cut through to that part of them that feels like they're not working very hard. Because when you're in that zone of genius, that part of you that does all of the magical creation of whatever type that it might be, uh, that's where you can take everything as far as it can go and end up making them a ton of money in the process. But you got to sometimes show them the impact that they're having. And one more thing on this particular topic, I say to people all the time is that if you're not freely giving that thing that you're on the planet to do, 
you're actually stealing from people. Mm. You're actually taking away from people that you want to help. If you have a gift, it is an obligation to make sure that you're spending as much time giving it to people as possible. And as you've said, you're going to monetize that as well. And it's worth a lot of money because it's coming straight from the heart. But we see people that don't want to give it. And I always like to frame it as you're actually taking away from people. And maybe sometimes that trips the trigger a little bit. Les, Les Brown has a great story about that. He's like, he's like, you're, you're sitting around, uh, you, you've passed away and, and around you, you see all your talents and all they're telling you is, man, this is what you could have been. You could have achieved all this, but instead here we are dying with you, right? Like you're, you're cheating the world of who you are if you can't share that. I, I love how you're taking that. But the other side of that is I'm going to have to take a risk. Wait, you're me. You're saying that I'm good at this, but now I got to be vulnerable and put myself out there. Number one. And number two, I got to quit my job. And like that's scary because I'm leaving a secure spot. Now, what do you say to these people? Yeah, that is the big jump. And the thing that I lean on is similar to what you just shared about Les Brown's story. Okay, stay safe. Let's fast forward five or 10 years. Will you be happy or mm. will you regret it? Now, I've got gray hair, right? So I left the radio industry in my mid 40s. You could have called it a classic, you know. No hair. Um, yeah, right? See? I got no hair. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, like a classic midlife crisis where I realized I'm building somebody else's dream and I had to get out and go do what I was supposed to be doing with life. So maybe that was the motivator for me to get someone to jump from, I don't know if I should do this to, I should go do this. And one of the things that holds people back with, I should go do this is they have to stand up. They have to roll their shoulders back. They have to go out and say, yeah, I can do the thing. Yeah, I can solve that problem. And that can be really hard for people. Even if they can, it can be hard for them to stand up and represent and go out and run for office and tell people I'm the best in the world at doing whatever this thing is. It's developing the skills to pay the bills. I'm pretty yeah. sure that uh, Senator Porter here, he always uh, tunes in in a private chat and doesn't show their name. So, uh, <laughs> But yes, yeah, skills to pay the bills is exactly yeah. right. You got to develop them. So here's the other part. Okay, let, let's talk. Let's talk mindset. Let, let's let's assume you've given people the belief that they can do this, right? And so they go out and they start the path forward, right? And then obstacles start to show up. But you said I was good at this. You said I had the skills to do this. All of a sudden, all these hurdles are popping up. I don't think I'm ready for this. Now, how do you step in and help them? Well, there's a difference between being good at what you do and all the stuff that supports what you do. So <laughs> one of the things I tell people all the time, and I beg every solopreneur, especially, or a small business owner that doesn't have a big staff yet, run, don't walk, run towards delegating your tasks, find a VA, find an online business manager, get help. And the question always starts with, oh, well, when should I get help? The answer is now, <laughs> now. I don't even know how long you've been in business. It doesn't matter because when you get help, you earn more time to do what you're supposed to be doing. Even if that thing is just going out and telling people about what you do, as soon as you get help, you need to open some space so you can go out and tell more people about it. So that's something that I see, like they they're good at something, but then they let all the business stuff get in the way. 
and it it harms their ability to go out and change the world. I think Susie Moon totally agrees with you. Now, now's the time. Get the help that you need. Like this very second. All right, here's the issue that I that I've seen with uh, with entrepreneurs, especially the solopreneur, because they're good at what they do, right? Their name is on the building or their name is in the business or whatever it is. To release control for somebody else to possibly make a mistake, how could I possibly do that? I don't want to let them do it. They're going to mess it up. I can do it better. Yeah. How do you help me, Pat? Yeah. So I'm going to quote someone inside our Idea Collective community who I think is really, really smart. Her name is Julie Miller Davis. She's a productivity coach. She just did a training on this exact issue. What she teaches is that if you can get someone to do the task at 80% of what you can do, it's your obligation to give it away. It's your obligation. Mm. That 20% of performance may be what you pay to delegate it, but you get 100% of your time back for doing it. Now, you don't delegate off whatever your gift and talent is, whatever the secret sauce of your business is, you don't delegate that. But if you're going to have your email sent out to your email list every week, or you're going to have um, you know, a social media campaign that's launched, and maybe it's it's good but not great, but you didn't have to do it, I love that framing of 80% towards when you should delegate. And the other thing I'll add is if someone's saying, ah, I don't know if I can find someone that can do this as good as I can, I'm sure you can. Mm. <laughs> the VAs and the online business managers, the help that's available out there through contractors, um, they're so talented and so hardworking. And uh, you can probably find someone that's better at it than you are. And they probably charge less per hour than you do. So now you really have an argument for getting the stuff off your plate. And every hour that you have someone else work for you, you end up profiting. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a way to reframe the whole situation. They're better at it. And I don't have to worry about it. And I net $10 every time that they do it. Sign That's me in. Yeah, That's absolutely. You're starting to play with house money, right? At that point, yeah. I mean, you, you put the initial investment, you put in this, the initial training, but now the process is rolling and it's it's just paying out. It's bearing fruit on a regular basis. Yeah. All right, let's talk about this other side, this other aspect of business that I think uh, people don't really like to talk about, but it's just a reality. I am not a salesperson, Pat. I, I, I'm really good at what I do, but... I, I, I'm not good at talking to people. Let me just, how do I, how do I keep going? How do I build a business if I can't grow as a sales individual? I'm scared to pick up the phone. I'm scared to do prospecting, but if I get a job, I'm gonna do a really good job at it, but I can't get a lot of work coming in. How do you help me, Pat? Well, it's not about making sales. It's about making conversations and it's about in those conversations, showing the value that you have to provide to someone. If someone's coming at it from, I got to make a bunch of calls and I, it's cold calling and people don't want to talk to me, well, then you need to generate reasons why they do want to talk to you. And sometimes that means hosting an event and letting people learn from you or creating content that might teach them something or uh, asking your best clients for referrals so you're not doing cold calling, you're getting warm leads. But the act of selling, and someone just told me this, I thought this was really good because I struggle with this too. Um, I was talking to this person and I was sharing, uh, you know, I got all these sponsorships for this retreat that I'm doing and I just got to call and ask people to sponsor. And they stopped me and said, you're not asking them to sponsor, you're inviting them to sponsor. 
And I know mm. that sounds very like nuance, but that kind of unlocked to me, wait a minute, the people who do say yes and show up as a partner at this retreat that we're hosting, they get to be with my people. They get to come to the event and it kind of unlocks some different muscles. And there are sales experts out there, as you know, right? Interview them all the time, I'm sure. Sales experts out there that are a thousand times better at this than I am. But the act of sales to me is an act of giving, earning the opportunity to do what you love for someone. And when you think about it that way, for me at least, it gets a little bit easier. Perspective is everything, right? There's always two sides to every story. There's always two angles. There's or more. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's how you perceive the situation that's going to determine how you're going to take action or lack thereof, whether you're not going to take action. So when it comes to perspective, what are some more, or some other types of situations where you find that an entrepreneur is seeing it as a roadblock and then you come along and kind of open it up as an opportunity? Oof, other roadblocks that folks are running into. Uh, there's a constant struggle around uh, invest, investment versus expense. Mm. That there are dollars going out the door and are those dollars going out as an investment, meaning that that money is going to come back to me or an expense, meaning as soon as I let go of it, it's gone. So making sure that you're looking at the dollars that are leaving and making sure that you're clear on is it an investment or an expense. That's one of them that I see. Uh, other than that, you know, making sure that you're not afraid to ask for high dollar amounts. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, confidence and really positioning yourself. Uh, I use a sales coach. Her name's Erin Marcus. She's brilliant. And last time we had this conversation where I was struggling uh, with a high ticket problem, like a high ticket package, like I was going to put out a high dollar amount. And she said, Pat, it's easier to make more money than less money. So duh, true. right? Duh. So true. Of course. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Aaron, you're right. And she also said, I think it was like a you know, $1,000 package, whatever it was. She goes, if someone's going to say yes to a thousand, they're going to say yes to 1250. So make it 1250. And we made it 1250 and okay, it moved. But that kind of reframing uh, and back to sales, I guess, but that kind of reframing that it's easier to make more money than less money. And I'm sure we could swap stories back and forth on um, dealing with low dollar clients, right? The worst oh, yeah. clients are the low oh, dollar yeah. clients. Those are the worst clients. It's the penny pinching problems, man. Like that's how that's how it ends up. And it's funny because this is exact scenario that we talked to with real estate agents, right? So when I was in the real estate coaching space, one of the things I would tell them, I'm like, look, the paperwork to do uh, to, to, to handle an escrow for a $300,000 property is the exact same as a $3 million property. But the difference is at the end, you get nine grand on one versus 90 grand on the other. So where would you <laughs> want to spend your time? But it also comes down to your own personal comfort zone, right? So what we find with realtors is they tend to sell homes at the same price range where they live. Like it's hard to get out of your own comfort zone and step into this other space. I like all of a sudden you feel weird showing somebody a $3 million home when you live in a $300,000 home. You feel out of place. Yeah. How do you get people to step out of their comfort zone to get into that 
but uh, I've never been here before feeling. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a real struggle. And I've heard someone say it as don't sell out of your own pocketbook. If you couldn't afford $1,000, that doesn't mean that you can't sell it for $1,000. But just like you said, when we think about what we have based on what we ask for, um, that is something you've got to get people out of in a hurry if you want them to get as far as they can. And when you were saying um, the, the dollar amounts, like selling the bigger ones, not the smaller ones, I wanted to add one more thing. Uh, it was expressed to me that don't sell something that you will be mad at fulfilling after they say yes. Ooh. Like if, if you sell it and then they say yes, and then it's a big pain, like it will be weeks and weeks of work you don't want to do. Well, then you either shouldn't be selling it in the first place or you didn't price it appropriately. So make sure you get paid for all of that work. And like, I can only imagine how much the paperwork is when you're selling a house and how much that would really make you angry if the dollar amount didn't make it feel like it was worth it for you. Yeah, I heard it another way too. As a uh, as an entrepreneur, if you hate waking up and doing the work because you don't like the customer base, you did it to yourself. You literally <laughs> sold your own situation. You so change the the product type, right? Think yeah. about who you want to work with, and then change your product to attract that type of person. Because you're literally going out and seeking the problems by having that lower price. Especially when we talk about different products, and you know people start undercutting every time, right? And I'm like, you're racing yourself to zero. You're you're on your way to like get the the lowest of the lowest type of customer, and all those transactions you're gonna hate. That's where burnout happens, right? We don't want that to happen. Um, oh, yeah. let, let's get into uh, what you do. I mean, obviously, right? So. So what is it that people pay you for when people meet up with you and they want to work with you? What are they, what are they asking for essentially? Sure. There is the personal coaching, right? The one-on-one -on -one stuff that I do, but the real business is the idea collective. So yeah, I help small businesses one-on-one. -on -one. Let's just set that to the side. What I'm most interested in right now is helping every entrepreneur and every solopreneur find their people. Because if you're a solopreneur, you're not building a job, you're building a dream. And mm. when you're building that dream, it can get lonely and hard. Who do you turn to to walk with you on your small business journey? I don't care if you're in California or Wisconsin or North Dakota or Florida. There are places to network, but there aren't places where you can walk with people who understand. Because if you're like me and you turn to your wife and say, yeah, my small business problem and she works in corporate. I don't care. She cares about you, but she has <laughs> no idea what you're going exactly. through. So what are they paying for? The Idea Collective, this online incubator, is all about bringing people together and providing that belonging and that group that understands what you're going through. And there are classes and there's networking and there's celebration times and, and brainstorming times. Like All of that stuff is a part of what we do. But the biggest part of the product is belonging and fun while you build your business. That's what the incubator is all about. Is it's life by design, right? That this is this is what you're doing. You're designing the kind of life that you want to live and you're surrounding yourself with people who are doing the same type of thing on the same type of journey. So who is your ideal client? Who are you looking for? Are you industry specific? What's the what's the type of client that you're looking for? Yeah, solopreneurs are the ideal client. So someone that started a business and done it enough to realize, ooh, I don't want to grow this alone, right? I've run into some problems 
and I need some people around me to turn to to get a second opinion. We're not industry specific, and we have members spanning from Australia to London, British Columbia to North Carolina. We believe in abundance, so that's why we're not industry specific. We want everyone to get together, and some of the most exciting collaborations in the Idea Collective have been amongst competitors because they know they can help one another, especially when they're in different geographies. So someone that's in Calgary can help someone in Virginia. They're never going to compete with one another. They can help each other and get better. So I'm looking for the solopreneurs, the scaling small business owners that are frustrated and they're lonely and they're wondering, where are my people at? Those are the people I'm looking for. Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? <laughs> Come on down, man. Come on down. All right. Well, if people do want to work with you, they reach out to you. What's that sales process like? What, what, what can they expect? Yeah, especially for the incubator, that's super easy. Go to the website that's scrolling on the screen, ideacollectiveincubator.com. And what we ask people to do is sign up for the first month. I mean, all of the details are on the website where you can learn everything you could possibly want to learn. But then what we do is we let every in, everyone into the group on the first of the month. And the reason why we do that is we do an orientation session before we release them into the small business incubator because there's so much going on. We're doing over 40 hours every month of live events and meetings, message boards left and right. We want people to know what they're walking into because we've all experienced that first day of high school where everyone knows what's going on except you. Mm -hmm. So we get people together in that pre-meeting before they're brought into the incubator. Then once they come in, the community rallies and they're all so excited to see you and uh, you found your people and you're on your way to never being alone again. And you're ready to rock and roll because I like how you you brought the wife into it, right? Because at the, <laughs> at the end of the day, sometimes the people that you're closest to are going to let you down in the support factor. It's not that they don't want to help you. It's just they don't know how. They're not, yeah. They don't see the same vision that you see. They're not on the same path as you. So they're coming from a place of love. It's just not the support that you're looking for. So having places like the Idea Collective Incubator, those are the, the phenomenal places where you can meet people who are on the same pathway. And now all of a sudden when you're feeling down and you feel that imposter syndrome start to creep up, because it will, when you start to feel that burnout coming on, because it'll come, these are the people who got your back, who have been there, who are going through it and are getting through it all at the same time. Pat, man, time is flying by. This, this is how you know you're in the zone, man. You, you, time's flying by. So I want to make sure I, I get uh, contact information one more time. I know you said it, but if yeah. people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? For sure. It's ideacollectiveincubator.com. That's the website. And on there, you can sign up to learn more about the community. You can join our meeting to uh, come in and take a look around. You can also check out the Small Business Beacon, which is our crowdsource blog where we let our members write on the website and share their knowledge. Uh, you can also reach out to me via email, which is pat at patmillerideacoach.com. Popping up right there on the screen, ladies and gentlemen. Pat at patmillerideacoach.com. Uh, ideacoach.com. <clears throat> Pat, you've you've uh, been in the radio industry for a while. Uh, mm -hmm. Left that space. You obviously got a podcast set up right here, ready to rock and roll. You've been on a lot of shows. What was your experience like on the Business Bros? 
Oh my gosh. This was the most fun interview I've done in a long, long time. It is great to have the energy. It's great to talk with someone that's clearly up to speed on what small business owners are facing. The spirit of what you two do as well. When I went back and was listening to the show and getting the feel of what was going on, I just, I loved coming on the show because I like how you're getting after the questions that matter. So it couldn't have been more fun. I really am grateful for the time. Thanks for having me. Of course, appreciate it. And I got a kind of a, a selfish question. So I teach a high school course called Financial Algebra. 17-year-old students, they are starting their own businesses and they're at the very beginning phase. We've just set up their uh, their affiliate links. We've just set up their print-on-demand stuff. We've just set up their social media marketing. They're about to launch into now how do I go and get customers, right? That's the next phase. Uh, what advice would you give a 17-year-old kid whose entrepreneurship skills are barely any? What advice would you give somebody getting started at that space? I would bet they have more entrepreneur skills than they think. If they can passionately talk about what they're doing and why they're doing it, and I would have them get super, super clear on who needs to buy whatever it is that they're selling. Because mm -hmm. if they know what they're doing and how it's different than everyone else, and they know exactly who it's for, it's a cheat code. Then you can go talk to exactly those people. So if you had me in front of your class, I would ask, okay, who's the one person that has to have this? And then they would tell me it's for this type of person. We'd go to the whiteboard and say, okay, great. Where does that person hang out? Write all that stuff down. What does that person care about? Write all that stuff down. And by then you've got exactly what they want to hear and exactly where they are. And then put all of your focus on that one ideal client. And once you start getting clients, as you know, it's easy to get more because you can get referrals and testimonials and five-star reviews. And then the snowball can get rolling. But to get started, get super clear on the audience. And once you're clear on the audience, get after them and only them. Don't have any shame that you're only talking to moms in Orange County. That's okay. If that's your target audience, go talk to moms in Orange County until you get the momentum so then you can expand to a larger audience. That's it. Customer avatar. So funny because that's exactly what we're going into very next week. We already know what your business is. We've set it up. Now, who are you going to sell this thing to? How are you going to get customers? I, I had uh, Sean Castrini on the show the other day and he broke it down pretty simply. He's like, business is only three phases. How do you get customers? How do you sell to them? And then do what you said you were going to do. And that's really it. That's the, that's the complication of business right there. We make all these other steps. And I think Susie has a good one here. Don't give up, right? Like you're going to run into problems. You're going to run into roadblocks and that's okay. You got to get up and keep going. Nobody, uh, well, you know what? I got a great clip and, and normally I'm, I'm really good at these things, but uh, here we go. Tell me Sly. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. Yeah, exactly, right? Just go out and get it. Don't give up and make it happen. Pat, thank you very much for coming on the show today, man. I want to make sure I give you any final thoughts before we head out. Uh, my thought is very similar to what Susie said. You're on the planet to do something that is meaningful. You have a gift. You owe it to yourself to take that gift as far as you can. And if you feel lonely, things get tough. That's why the Idea Collective is here. Don't give up and uh, go live your dream because life is too short to build somebody else's. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a real pleasure. Of course, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what it comes down to. Look, you have ideas. There's something there, some spark inside of you that is dying to get out. You got to let it free or it will bother you forever. I love what Tony Robbins says. He says, 
there's two pains in life, the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. Discipline weighs pounds, but regret weighs tons. And I don't want you to regret not having done something. 20 years from now, it's not the things you do that you were gonna regret. It's the things you didn't do. So get out there and make it happen. Make sure you guys stop by the ideacollectiveincubator.com and check it out. There are people out there that are just like you, questioning whether they can do it or not. And here at the ideacollectiveincubator.com, you'll find people who are just like you and ready to take it on to the next level. Pat, thank you very much for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get